With us going into this season of prayer and fasting, uh, I, I always like to teach. I, I never like to assume that people know what the heck I'm talking about. And because uh, I think sometimes we do that. And as church leaders, sometimes we do that where we make statements or say things that uh, we just assume everybody knows what we're talking about. And, uh, you know, even just simply even just the act of prayer. It can be confusing to some people. If you've not been uh, really around church or around spiritual people much, you may say, well, what does it mean to pray? And, uh, you know, so even during this time, so I want to take uh, just a few uh, this minutes this morning and just share with you about fasting. And uh, really, what is it? What is it not? And let me just say this up front. I am not mandating you to do anything. I am suggesting that you pray about something and ask the Lord, should I do something? There's a big difference. So, now, I'll just tell you in my own personal life, this was, many of you have heard me say this, so some of the things I'm going to share this morning might be recap for some of you, because every beginning of every year I teach on this subject, but uh, I don't know how many years ago now, this is probably my sixth or seventh year to start my year this way at this point, Uh, I don't know exactly when I started, but it was kind of a journey that the Lord led me on, because I didn't know anything about fasting. My idea with fasting was, you just suffer for Jesus, like that's what my thought of fasting was. Just suffering for the Lord, you know. And I just thought, well, I like to eat. And if I can't eat, that's just horrible. And uh, that was kind of my thought. And I thought, well, but spiritual people fast, right? I mean, that's just what my mindset was. Is that, well, I mean, people that I know that I believe are spiritual, I hear them talk about fasting, but I don't know how to do it. And uh, But the Lord began to just stir in me really a desire. It was kind of unusual. Uh, it's not like an instruction that I was really resistant to. It was something that he kind of drew me towards. And um, through the course of some time and just some, he had uh, led me in some things to really, because, you know, I believe God wants to set us up for success, not set us up for failure. And, uh, you know, and so the Lord had helped me and brought some resources and different things into my life. And I began to get a hold of some things and begin to understand really what fasting was about. And that process was about a year or two. Uh, in, in the works, kind of from the beginning to the end. And it all started with a particular scripture out of John chapter 4. And it's the woman at the well. Uh, it's the, uh, the account of the woman at the well. And Jesus made a statement when the disciples brought him lunch. You know, they had gone and they came back and, uh, you know, they said, Jesus, you need to eat something. He says, no, I have nourishment that you know nothing about. And that verse really messed with me because I thought, I don't know what he's talking about. And uh, so that kind of that's really was kind of the starting point of what the Lord had led me to really begin to look at fasting. And it's amazing when the Lord stirs something in your heart, how that you begin to see it everywhere. And it's like, how have I never seen this? But it seems to be littered throughout Scripture. And, uh, you know, and so I began just kind of uh, really uh, where I began to just set apart this first part of the year. Uh, really, it's 21 days is what I, you know, now I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing this year because it's none of your business between me and the Lord. And, um, you know, but I ask you to pray about it. And, you know, because I don't believe, I mean, I had somebody, and I've shared this before, I had a pastor one time that just mandated that we fast. And it was fasting food, and it was particular. It was actually, it was a type of fast, which is called a Daniel fast, which is fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and that kind of stuff. And, uh, but no meats, none of that, all that. Well, she mandated it. She said, you know, this is what you're going to do. And every day she's going, did you eat pizza yesterday? No, but I definitely thought about it. And, um, you know, I want to go buy a pizza and eat it right in front of you right now because I'm angry and because uh, I haven't eaten anything that I wanted to eat. And, uh, you know, but my heart wasn't in it at all. Yeah, I was just doing it out of strictly because my boss was going to ask me, you know, kind of deal. And that's not a good place to be. And uh, but there is something different um, when your heart is in what you do. And, you know, and really the focus of it is, is in the right place and God honors it. 
You know, we're not trying to manipulate God by our fasting. No more than I'm trying to manipulate God by my giving. How many of you realize that? I'm not trying to convince God to do something for me. Or I'm not trying to convince myself that I'm spiritual. Or more spiritual than somebody who doesn't fast. It has nothing to do with anybody else. It has everything to do with my heart and me focusing on my Father. And in my relationship with Him. And out of my relationship with Him comes a lot of blessings. I mean, the Bible says, Hebrews eleven six that God is the rewarder of those who diligently or faithfully seek Him. God rewards those who seek. In other words, those who come after Him. So there are definitely blessings that come as part of this, uh, what I would call a discipline of fasting. Because it is a discipline. Undisciplined people cannot fast successfully. I'll just tell you. Why? Because... I mean, like, you know, and everybody knows this. I talk about it. I mean, I love Dr. Pepper. I won't be drinking anymore for the rest of the month. Why? Partly it's just a discipline. It's just, why? Because I recognize that, hey, that's a part of my life that can cloud my judgment. Now, you don't realize that until you get away from certain things. You know, some of it, for some people, it may be TV. It could be music. It can be, it could be food. It may not be. It could just be conversations. I mean, here's a thought. Why don't you fast from gossip? What a thought. It might change the, you know, the peace in your own heart. Like when people are talking about people at the office, it's like, you know what? I'm not going to participate in that for a month. If I hear people talking bad about us, I'm just going to walk away. I'm not going to feed into it and I'm not going to allow that into my spirit. This is not a natural thing that we're doing. It is a spiritual focus and a spiritual reason. Now, there are natural reasons to fast. If you have surgery, the doctor may tell you, hey, you can't eat, you know, meats or this, you know, two days before. Why? Because you need to be prepared for surgery. There are medical reasons for it, but that is not why we're doing it. We are doing it strictly and primarily a spiritual purpose. That doesn't mean that there aren't some benefits. How many of you know that I will be healthier in about 30 days from today because I cut Dr. Pepper out? Why? Because my sugar intake has drastically decreased. And I will be drinking a lot more water. And that's healthier. But that's not the reason that I do it. My mind becomes clear. My focus becomes clear when I'm not having all these chemicals in my body. I mean, every year it amazes me. You know, and so there will be things that I will do and, you know, and some of it will be food related. Some of it won't be, um, you know, but it's what the Lord tells me to do. That's why I'm not saying, hey, here's what you're going to do. For one, that totally defeats the purpose. It just, I want to encourage you to pray and ask the Lord. Hey, why? Because the Lord knows where you're at and the Lord knows what you need more than I do. And I believe that you can hear from God. I, 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 I truly mean that. I believe that you can hear from God. That God wants to speak to you and I trust you to hear it and obey. It's not hard to hear it. It's hard to do it sometimes. But yet it's necessary. And so this morning I want to share some things with you about fasting. And some of this is going to be recap for some of you. Some of this, for some of you, it may be new information. Some of you may think I'm a quack. And just be like, this is craziness. But yet it's biblical. 
And I can tell you, as somebody who's now done this for years and it's been a pattern in my life, um, you know, and this isn't because the Lord tells me to fast at the first of the year. I choose to. There's a difference because I've had the Lord tell me, hey, you need to fast and pray and focus and during a different time. But the Lord's instructed me. This is something that I volunteer for. So it's not like, you know, well, this is just what you have to do. No, this is what I want to do. And now I want to do it not because of the, the challenge of it. I want to do it because I see the blessing and the benefit that comes out of it. And so now it motivates me. Because I'm like, man, I know what's going to happen on the backside of this thing. And I know, you know, and I believe that much more happens than we're even aware of when we're willing to focus on the Lord and set some time aside to seek Him. I believe that wisdom will come. I believe direction will come. I believe favor comes. I believe opportunities will open that, hey, that wouldn't have opened if we hadn't taken this time to pray. Because it is key. You have to have prayer and fasting, right? It's not just, well, I'm going to fast and just whatever. No, you need to replace that, those, you know, I'll give you an example of this. You got your favorite TV show, you give it an hour a week, right? Well, what if you replace that hour a week with an hour of prayer and reading and study of the, of the scriptures? Yeah. I mean, you're, you, time is either invested or it's spent, but we choose, right? Well, if I watch that TV show, I might laugh. I might get some humor out of it. It might, you know, whatever it may be, but it's temporal. But when I fast, what happens is I invest my time that will produce a long-term continual repayment of what? Of the way I started my year. And I believe it just like the principle of the tithe is that when we start off the first of the year, that we're to give the first of our life to the Lord. And that's why I do it at the first of the year. It's, it's, it's no different than tithing for me. It's just part of my life. It's part of who I am. And I want to give the Lord the first part of my year. I want to, why? Because I want to get His vision and His purpose for my life. You know, and, and so I want to share some things with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, I have one passage of Scripture for you this morning. This will be the only time this maybe ever happened. And, uh, but I have one that I'm going to give you. And then I'll quote some other ones. And according to the people in the booth, when I have fewer scriptures, I preach longer. But we're going to make sure that doesn't happen this morning. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is giving some instructions here to his disciples, which is us. And so, you know, and before this, he really, there's three things that he talks about that I believe are key to every believer. And, and really... Um, I'll say it this way. I believe there are requirements of every believer. Why? Because Jesus didn't say if, he said when. And so that to me says he expects this. He has an expectation that we're going to do three things. Which is number one, we're going to give. We're going to be generous people. I believe that as the church, we should be generous people. Christians should be generous. Doesn't mean we're foolish. But it does mean that we're generous. As the Lord blesses us and we're able to be a blessing, we ought to do that. And he gives specific instructions about, hey, don't let people know what you're doing. If you want to give a gift, give it privately. And the Lord will, will reward you openly or will bless you. Why? Because you did it right. You know, and there's something to be said for that. So he says, when you give. Number, uh, the second one is it's when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. That's the three in Matthew 6 that he talks about. That these are ex expectations that Jesus had for his disciples. In verse 5, he gives some specific um, hear directions, but he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. 
Now, there's a lot that I could say here, but he's given us what not to do. Is that we shouldn't just pray so we look spiritual. We should pray because we believe we serve a God who answers. First and foremost. It shouldn't be about a show. It shouldn't be, you know, well, I need a pretty prayer. God answers dirty prayers. Okay? Sometimes dirty prayers are the most honest prayers. You know, that they're not all perfect and perfectly worded in, you know, Elizabethan English. And sometimes it's, Lord, help me. I don't know what to do. I, I don't even know what to pray. Holy Spirit, I need you to... That's an honest prayer. And yet here, obviously, that these guys were making a big show of their prayer. And he says, I tell you the truth. So he says that, you know, they're making a big display. He says, I tell you the truth. That is all the reward that they will ever get. Somebody come and pat him on the back and say, man, that was a wonderful prayer. But don't expect that God's going to respond to that. He says in verse 6, but when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. He says, then your father who sees everything will reward you. Now he goes on here and this gets into, um, you know, really teaching in how to pray, which is what we call the Lord's Prayer. And he says, when you pray, look, don't start babbling. Don't just say a bunch of stuff just to be talking. You know, don't just get into repetition. You know, sometimes, especially if we've been around the church very long, we just learn words to say that sound like prayer. Just because you're talking does not make it prayer. Right? Why? Because prayer has a connection to the heart. And just because I'm rolling words out of my mouth, I mean, if I'm talking to Matt, we don't call that prayer. We call that a conversation. Prayer is different, and there's something different about it. And praying really is what? It's, it's that our heart is connected to what we're saying, but it's also we're connected to who we're praying to. You know, so he gives us some instructions here on how to pray. He also goes on and he tells us that we shouldn't uh, have any unforgiveness. This is the first of the year. If you've got unforgiveness in your heart, if you're holding a grudge against anybody, it's time to let it go. If you want this year to be, your, to be one of your best years, you're going to have to let some stuff go. And even, you know, and I can just tell you in my own life, during these times where I pray and fast, it's amazing to me how much the Lord will bring up to me and say, hey, you need to get this right in your heart. And I'm like, I didn't even know I was offended about that. But I was. You know, and now many times the Lord doesn't have me go to that person. He just says, you need to let that go. And it's amazing. And, and why? Because I'm putting myself in a place for God to speak to me and instruct me and say, hey, let go of that, that frustration. And then there's other times where the Lord will give me, you know, we'll just, and it's not like he speaks, but it's just something on the inside of me that just, it's all of a sudden like a light just gets turned on. It's like, oh, I didn't even know that was there. Maybe there's an area of my life where I'm trying to control it. And then all of a sudden the Lord's like, you need to trust me. In this area. And it's because I've taken time to focus on the Lord. That now he has access to speak. Into areas of my life. And so you know even in the area of unforgiveness. That the Lord will speak to you. And will bring some things to light. Why? Because he wants you whole. And unforgiveness makes you not well. God is about our wholeness. In verse 16 he picks up. And he says. When you fast don't make it obvious. As the hypocrites do. He says for they try to look miserable and disheveled. So people will admire their fasting. You ever been around somebody like that? Like, oh, you know, things are bad, but just trust in the Lord. Why don't you pray and ask the Lord to do something about that misery 
because I don't think Jesus died for us to be miserable. I'm pretty certain it's quite the obvious. They're quite uh, the different from that. So even when we pray and fast, guess what? It means we should still have a smile on our face. Why? Because the Bible says that we... I mean, just like what Jesus said over there in John 4, that I have nourishment, I have ability, I have a life-sustaining force on the inside of me that's outside of this natural realm. Is that I can tap into the spirit and the life of God that is more important and more life-giving to me than that hamburger I want to eat. Or whatever it may be. And so here he says, is that, hey, you need to look right. Don't act a fool. Don't let people know what you're doing. Focus on the Lord. He says, I'll tell you the truth, this is the only reward they will ever get. He says, when you fast, this translation says this way, it says, comb your hair and wash your face. Other translations said this, and I've been kind of looking into this a little bit. Where it says, the New Living, which I don't really care for as much, it says to comb your hair. Other translations say to anoint yourself. That's an interesting phrase. Anoint yourself. What's it talking about? When we anoint something, what are we doing by, like if we were to take the anointing oil and pray for somebody, for uh, wholeness in their body, for healing to come, what are we doing? We're anointing them and we're separating them out. That's what the Bible, that's what the anointing does. It separates And so even here, he gives us the instructions that, hey, you need to anoint yourself and wash your face. Verse 18, he says, Then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. See, here's the thing about prayer and fasting. When it's done right, and really in the proper manner, we don't change at all. If anything, people are going to be like, man, why are you so much happier? Oh, well, I hadn't been doing this. And, you know, I mean, you know, and really, I mean, in a sense, what he's saying is don't brag about it. Know who you're doing this for. You're doing it for your heart, for your life, and for the Lord. But you're not doing it to, to work anything up. It doesn't matter if you fasted for 21 days straight and ate nothing. And somebody else just gave up Dr. Pepper for 21 days. It's the same in the, in the eyes of the Lord. It's not about what you do. It's about why you do it. That matters more than anything. And so don't make this a thing of legalism. Don't make it something that is just like, well, I'm trying to, to work something up and make something happen. No, that's not what it is. Now, will the benefits of your fasting result in your life? Yes, Absolutely. I believe it does. I believe not only does it create uh, God's working in my life, but I believe it also creates protection in my life as well. That there are things that I'm saved from that I never even knew about. Why? Because I prayed things ahead and I prayed protection ahead. I prayed things out. of You know, I mean, if you think about it, I heard somebody say it this way one time, is that they felt like the Lord had told them, you're a step behind in prayer. And he said, well, if I could be a step behind, I figured if I could be behind, couldn't I be ahead? And so what did he do? He, he said, well, I just kind of doubled up on my prayer time until I felt like I was caught up. And he said, but I didn't stop. He said, I just kept praying that I could actually pray things out even in advance. I mean, we, one of the, the, the ways that God revealed himself was he said, I'm the God who sees ahead and makes provision. Well, why can't I pray for a need before I even know I need it? 
Like, well, how do you, how do, you do that? Well, number one, you've got to trust the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will help us to pray, but we can also pray in the Spirit. We can pray in other tongues. Why? Because it is the life of God praying through us. It's the perfect plan and will of God. And, and so we can do that. And, and so, you know, this morning what I want to do in the next few minutes is I kind of want to just give you just encouragement and, and really give you some information, if you will, to help you to know because I, I realize some of you, this is a different concept, a new concept. Some of you, this may be old information, but I still want to remind you of why we're doing what we're doing. And so here's my definition of what is a fast. And so I'm going to give you a combination of things this morning. Some of this is going to be instructions to help you fast successfully. And some of it may be like, okay, well, what are we doing? Because some of you, I realize, may not know. So what is a fast when we're talking about spiritual fasting? This is my definition. It's a predetermined time frame that is set apart and dedicated to focusing on the Lord. I'll repeat that. It's a predetermined time frame that is set apart and dedicated to focusing on the Lord. So this is what you got to know. Before you even get started, Lord, what do you want me to do? And how long should I do that? That's important. Why? Because you need a finish line. I'm not starting to fast January 8th until the Lord tells me to stop. Remember, I volunteered for this thing. (laughs) So if I can volunteer to start it, I'm going to volunteer to end it too. Now, if the Lord tells me keep going, that'd be different. But he's never done that. I set these. Why? Because, you know, have you ever heard the statement, if you don't put it on the calendar, it's just not going to happen? That's kind of why I do it in January because, yeah, I should do this. Yeah, I should pray. Yeah, I should do these things. So I put it on the calendar to make sure it's going to happen. And so this is what I would encourage you to do. Is to ask the Lord what and for how long. Now I've had the Lord do it several different ways for me. I've had him where he's told me to do something for seven days, something else for seven days, something else for seven days. So it equated to 21 days. I've had the Lord tell me to do 10 days of this and 11 days like this. And, and different. So it's, that's why I say it's not just, I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever done the same exact thing twice. Um, I've always asked the Lord uh, what he would have me to do. And then there's some things he says, you know, like I'll just give you an example. Um, you know, one of the things that the Lord always, that I feel, which I've already said one of them, is that, hey, I get rid of Dr. Pepper completely. I get rid of all sweets. I get rid of, like, for the full 21 days. Um, so I'm just drinking water, you know. Um, now, obviously, you've got to use wisdom in this. But the other thing is, is I cut out TV. I take out all the Internet that I possibly can. I get off all social media. I get rid of all the distractions that I possibly can out of my normal life. Why? Because I'm prioritizing the presence of God. That's what it's all about. So a fast is a predetermined time frame that is set apart and dedicated to the Lord. I'm prioritizing my time with the Lord. So that time that I would have spent doing A, B, C, and D, you know, just as an example, that time that I would normally spend... I don't know, for some of you laying in bed on Facebook at night, I'm now going to spend time laying in bed reading my Bible until I fall asleep. Because you would be shocked if you knew how much time you spent on those types of things. They ought to have a little clock up there just to tell you. We'd be embarrassed. If if I could flash up our times right there and be like, who's in the lead on Facebook, we would be embarrassed. (laughs) I can just tell you. We would. All of us would be. I'm including myself in that. We would, you know, why? Because... It's just what we do. 
You know, I was watching this thing, this video clip over the last, I don't know, what last week or something they were talking. And the guy asked, made the statement, and, and he was just kind of making a point, and I won't go into the details of the video, but he made this one. And he talked about having your cell phone in your room. And he said, how many of you check your phone before you say hello to your spouse? Wow. And how many of you check your phone, before, like, you know, you're on your phone, and you don't say anything to them before you go to sleep? So literally, your phone... And he didn't say this is me saying your phone and that connection to whatever, which is completely a a fake fraud. They've proven it. I mean, that they should have called it antisocial. It's it's absolutely true. Uh, They've proven it uh, now multiple times. This is this new generation coming up is the most insecure generation ever. They're also the most isolated generation ever. And suicides are skyrocketing. Skyrocketing at an alarming rate. Why? Because they don't have anybody they can sit face to face with. You know, but even in our, in our own relationship. And so his whole thing was, don't have your cell phone in your room. You know, and they were like, well, and, and I do this. Like, I use it as an alarm clock. And he's like, you can go buy an $8 alarm clock. <laughs> he's, you know, but yet we don't even think about these things. It's just part of our life. And the Lord may say, hey, you need, you know, I mean, for me. I can see where, hey, it creates peace in my life just to stay off of that stuff. I mean, there was a time in my life where I was really, um, maybe, I don't know the right words, but I guess overly focused on politics. And I was watching news stuff a lot. And then I'd listen to some talk radio. Well, I was walking around ready to fight pretty much all the time. Not physically, but hey, you want to debate something, let's go. Well, it was during a season of prayer and fasting where I laid it aside and I realized how much peace it was robbing from me. And I just thought, man, I don't want that in my life. I haven't picked it back up since. I mean, I still know what's going on. I try to pay attention, but I'm not going to sit there and listen to people. Dara says, everything I watch, they're screaming and yelling. It's either sports or politics, right? And uh, so she, she, it was something she said back then. And, uh, but I realized the effect that it had on my soul. And I just thought, that's not worth it. I'm paying a big price. That's to argue with people, to sound smart to other people. But there was a cost in my soul that I didn't even know. So that's part of why we fast. So you you really want to find out what the Lord's asking you to do and then for how long. Sometimes you'll be, you know, and I've kind of mentioned this earlier already, but sometimes you'll be prompted by the Holy Spirit to fast. And other times you can just sense that you need you need to as a jump start. So, you know, I mean, sometimes you just need that and you'll sense that in your heart. So here's a few types of fast. This is the first thing I would say is you got to start where you're at. Don't try to do something that's just so far outside of yourself that you're like, you know, I mean, it's like New Year's resolutions. Why don't people keep them? Because they set the bar so high they can never attain them. That's why we quit like in week two. I'm not a big proponent of New Year's resolutions, but. So start where you're at. It should be challenging to you, but not impossible to accomplish. Start where you're at. Don't try to do what somebody else does. Do what the Lord asked you to do. He won't set you up to fail. But this is what I will say. It should challenge you to the point where it causes you to rely upon the Holy Spirit more than your normal life. It, it, there should be a push. That it, so let me say it this way. It should make you uncomfortable. It just should. 
I mean, there's, you know, and I don't mean that overly, but if it's not uncomfortable, you're not really sacrificing. And this isn't like Lent where you give up a few things so you can go party real big at the end either, right? I mean, I know that's how most people view Lent, right? That's not what this is about. But here are a couple uh, types of fast that we can see biblically. Number one is you can either uh, fast a specific type of food or an activity. Like I said, you could say, hey, I'm not going to eat red meat. Some people, I mean, my dad at one time was getting ready to have a surgery and they told him, they said, cut out all red meat. Well, he eats red meat like two meals a day. Well, that was a big deal. He'd cut it out for like two weeks before surgery or something like that. I don't know what it was, a week, two, I don't remember now. But you could say, hey, if the Lord would stir in you, that hey, cut this out. It could be an activity, like I said. It could be, you know, and I know, you're like, well, it's playoff time. Well, the Lord might tell you not to watch football. You're like, well, that's unscriptural. <laughs> well, I don't know. This is, let me just be honest with you, and, I don't, and I'm not just picking on this. It's amazing to me when we ask how much the Lord doesn't like our idols. Yeah. We like our idols. He does not. Things are, things are okay in their rightful place. But when it becomes an idol and the Lord puts his finger on it, and all of a sudden we say, oh, mm-mm. We need to pay attention. Not that, Lord. Anything but that. And we try to negotiate. How many of you know the Lord doesn't negotiate? He just says, hey, here's the deal. So it could be a specific food or 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 um, type of food. Maybe sweets, sugar, salt. I mean, I'm not a big sugar guy. I mean, I do drink it, but I love to eat salt. Well, how many of you know salt's in moderation can be good for you, but at my level, it's probably not. So the Lord may tell you to to adjust some things. I ate some stuff last year. I've never even can't even hardly pronounce. So I don't remember what was it. Quinoa, some weird substance. It's the super grain, supposedly. It was weird, but yeah. So, but hey, when, you know, anyhow, so you got that one. Here's another one that we see in Daniel chapter 1. It's referred to as the Daniel fast, which is this. It's fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. Comes out of Daniel one, where it says that uh, the king Nebuchadnezzar had taken all of the uh, the really the 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 youngest and the brightest uh, young people out of Israel. They had brought them into slavery in Babylon, and it says that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which was their Babylonian names, it says that that they had been given the king's choice foods, the best that the king had to offer. Why? Because they were the brightest and the smartest and the sharpest young people, and the king wanted to raise them in the culture and the understanding. He was trying to make them Babylonian, quite frankly. So they thought like they did. Why? Because he wanted to use them because they were sharp. They were smart. And so they're eating the best food. And Daniel says, hey, can I get another option? I need to change the menu. Can we only have fruits and vegetables? The Bible actually says vegetables when you study it all out. There's more. This went back to my when I was fasting for the wrong reasons. I became very legalistic about it. I really began to study out what can I eat and what can I so I'm just, you know, that's why my heart wasn't in the right place. I can just tell you. But I can tell you it's fruits, it's vegetables, and it's grain, whole grains is really what would be included in the Daniel fast, which is actually very good for you, physically speaking. A lot of doctors advocate a Daniel fast. Um, you know, and so it's good. It allows your body to rest. 
which is another part which I'm not going to get into, but your organs need to rest from time to time. So I'm not telling you not to eat anything, but maybe you eat more salad. Maybe you eat more fruits, more vegetables, more grains, more of that type of stuff. Um, you know, and so long story short, though, is that Daniel, and, and, you know, because the guy who was feeding them got a little nervous and said, if the king sees that you're weak and not healthy, I could get in a lot of trouble. And Daniel says, tell you what, let's test it. You feed us for 10 days what I say. And then if after 10 days you're not satisfied, we'll eat what you say. Well, after 10 days, what happened was is that it says that the children of Israel, that they were sharper, they were smarter, they could actually, they were actually doing better and looked healthier after that 10-day period. And so they kept eating the diet that they had chosen. So a lot of people call that a Daniel fast. Uh, and the last one that I'll give you this morning is what's called a juice fast. You know, you're blending stuff. You can have a blender, a juicer, or whatever, and you can do cocktails or whatever they can not alcoholic kind of cocktails, but you know what I'm talking about. And uh, you can do all kinds of stuff and blend it. And so a lot of people will do those as well. Um, you know, and so those are just three things. And there's other ones, uh, you know, but these are just three uh, kind of specifics, if you will. And so, you know, so now that we understand what fasting is, it's kind of the why. Uh, why do we do this? And so, you know, really it, it comes down to this is that the discipline of fasting breaks us out of our routine. It breaks up our monotonous, normal cycle of life. Because life becomes daily, which becomes weekly, which becomes monthly, which becomes yearly. And before long, we're 10 years down the road and we've not changed one bit. We're the same person we were 10 years ago and God is not okay with that. Um, You know, quite frankly, I, I love you, but God is not satisfied with us being the way we are. He wants us to grow and he wants us to mature. And that comes sometimes by being intentional. And so uh, it is a discipline of fasting, but it breaks us out of not just our routine, but it also helps us to unplug from the world, the influences of the world. Um, you know, so that's important. And it also, it prepares the way for God to give us fresh revelation, fresh vision, and a clear purpose. It's amazing to me how much clearer the voice of God comes when I get rid of all the noise. You know, whether you realize it or not, life is like this all the time, just, and it's hard to hear. Clearly. Well, when you get rid of all that static noise, the voice of God becomes a lot clearer and a lot easier to hear. And so, you know, um, another way of saying this is that uh, fasting is a short season that releases long-term effects and blessings. It it will release long-term blessings in our life. You know, and and so there's some things, you know, I've used this before, but, uh, you know, and, and even the why... Why do we fast? You know, and many of you would understand, will understand the term. It's a detox. We're simply getting rid of toxins in our body. One of the definitions of the word detox is to neutralize. Like I'll just give you a physical example of this. Because I choose to only drink water for a month, you know what begins to happen? My tongue will turn white. Like get a white coating on it for several days. And what that actually is, is the toxins leaving my body from what I drink. And it's amazing. When I, I mean, it's funny because, I mean, I like seasoning. And, you know, I'm from Louisiana, so I like some spices. And I know some of you do as well, but I like flavors. And it's amazing. When I do this, when I go back to eating food, how much my taste buds are now reactivated. And I can actually taste like I eat things. I'm like, whoa, that's way too much salt. <laughs> whoa, that's way more spice. Whoa, I can taste so much more. Well, that's a natural example. What about spiritually? How much more sensitive will I be to the Holy Spirit when I get rid of all these other things and I allow my, my soul to rest and, and to really focus on the Lord? 
Another definition of fasting is this. It's a redirecting of our appetite heavenward. It's a rebooting of our spirit man and our soulish man. So I'll repeat this. I said earlier, but is that God is more interested in the why that we're fasting. You've got to know why you're doing what you're doing. It's not enough to just do it to do it. You've got to know why. I love this quote from Lisa Bevere. It says that a diet changes the way you look because we're not dieting. That's not the purpose. A diet might change the way you look, but a fast will change what you see. Will change the way that you see. You may see circumstances right now that say, man, there is just no way possible. But as you would begin to focus on the Lord and pray and to seek Him, all of a sudden you begin to see things from God's perspective, not your perspective. And all of a sudden it activates faith on the inside of you to begin to believe God for more and for better that you wouldn't have if you hadn't taken that time to separate to pray and fast. So fasting can even change what you see, how you see. Fasting is not a requirement. It is a choice. But when prayer is combined with fasting, it will produce greater awareness and sensitivity to the Lord, to His presence and to His working in our lives. It makes us more sensitive to Him. You know, you may be here this morning and you may have the thought, man, I used to hear God talk, but I just don't hear His voice anymore. It's a good time to take a fast. It's a great time. And maybe it's, you're still hearing, but it's not quite as clear as it used to be. It's a good time to fast. Why? Because it creates a sensitivity. It's prioritizing my relationship with the Lord first. I like to say it this way, and I've used this many times in different situations, but it, it, this helps me see it clearly, is that when I fast, I'm welcoming God into my life by making room for Him. I make room for God by fasting. Just like I do when I give, I'm making room for God. You know, I use this illustration when, when, when we had Max... I didn't wait for Max to show up at the house to be like, oh, shoot, we need a room for him. Like we didn't know we had a bed and we had stuff and we had a changing table. We had things in place. Why? Because we had made room for him. We were prepared for him to come. Well, when I fast, it's very similar. What am I doing? I'm simply taking out things that are unessential, unnecessary. And what am I doing? I'm creating some space for God to come in and feel. And so I get to experience more of God's presence. So I'm, I'm laying things aside. In that way. And so even when we're talking about it from a spiritual uh, awakening, if you will, always starts from a, plesh, a fresh place of surrender to God. There, I mean, I, and I don't know how to really put this into words, but I can just tell you from my experience, and I'll try the best I can to, to verbalize it. Every time that I get into a season of prayer and fasting, at the end of it, I'm more surrendered than when I started. There's a different level of brokenness. Not like broken as in damaged but maybe broken as in openness to the Lord, receptivity to the Lord. There are things that I would have held on to that I'm just like, I don't need that. I don't want that. Not that I need it. I don't even want it. That's not even important to me. You know, and I've seen that. And so, you know, is that, and I believe that God will fill whatever space we create for Him. I mean, we all have a capacity limit. We can only hold so much. The Bible says that we're like an earthen vessel. I mean, imagine yourself like a vase. You can only hold so much. And when you're full, you're full. Right? So if we want more of God, that means something probably needs to, to leave. And so, you know, we, we just have to know this. You know, every year I've said this, but this statement every year since I've been the pastor of this church about fasting is that this can be your best year ever if this is your best year spiritually. 
God, it's not an automatic that, hey, I just get the best year ever just because I'm awesome. No, if, if I'll seek the Lord, it doesn't mean that circumstances may not come, but my ability to rise above those will. Why? Because there's a spiritual strength on the inside of me that will help me to rise. You know, I, I, for years, I, and I still love eagles, but for years I would read about them and study them, and I, I don't know why, I just was fascinated by an eagle. And, uh, you know, one of the things about them is that one of the unique things about an eagle is this, is that they use storms because they're one of the few birds that don't retreat during storm. A lot of birds will, you know, fly away. But they stay, and they'll continue to fly. And what they actually do is they will use the energy of the storm to fly higher. You know, they'll turn their wings, and they'll actually use it to propel them above the storm, high above the storm. So it's not that the storm goes away or that they run away from it. They simply rise above it and go right over it. And they use the energy of the storm itself to give them the ability to do that. I believe as believers we can do the same thing. Trials and situations may come and we'll go right through them, but we're going to use what the devil intended for evil, and we're going to use that to propel us over them so that we come out on the other side, just as, as it was about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It says that they were thrown into the fire, but yet when they came out, there wasn't a hair on their heads uh, sins, and they didn't even smell like smoke, which is even more impressive to me. I can light a fire in my place and be in my house, my fireplace, and I can be in another room and still smell like smoke. I'm like, how did that happen? Yet they walked through a fire and didn't even smell like smoke. But if you want this to be your best year, it doesn't mean that things won't happen. It doesn't mean that things won't come. But it does mean that, hey, you'll be prepared for it. You'll be ready. You'll be energized. You'll be prayed up. And when they come, you're going to say, okay, I see this for what it is. My life's not falling apart, but the enemy's attacking. But I'm thankful that I have a good father who's for me and with me, that's fighting for me, that's on my side. All of a sudden, you've got that. Why? Because you've spent that time with the Lord. You know, and so I want to wrap this up this morning just with some thoughts. Um, and some of this, I believe, is um, it's a caution, if you will, um, but even about this time um, that we're stepping into. Because I, I don't know if you sense it, recognize it, uh, or, or really seeing it yet, but we're in a very different season in the world in which we live. Uh, our world has changed drastically. Uh, I mean, in the last five years, it's changed, and I believe we're right, really, I mean, we're seeing things shift at a level that we've never seen. Uh, You know, things that we thought would always be, I believe won't. I believe we'll see nations who have been in alliances that won't be in alliances anymore. Um, You know, I believe there's nations that we've been connected to as a nation, that what, what we've called allies, I believe won't be allies any longer. And if you look at the natural, and if you get caught, and your focus is just in this world, you're going to become overwhelmed. I mean, we can look and say, oh, the world's bad. It's just heating up. I mean, the Bible says in the last days, men's hearts will fail them for fear. Simply being afraid, people will drop dead. And that's, that's pretty drastic. I mean, we, I, I, was, I clicked on the news this morning just to see because I was curious. You know, there was all these concerns about, you know, something happening in Istanbul. Like 40 people were killed. Somebody just walked in in a Santa suit and started shooting. And this is the craziness of the world in which we live. You know, and even taking this time, I mean, so we're in a very unique situation in our world. And we've never been here before. Whether it be in the world globally, which is financially, militarily, 
nationally. Man, I, I hate to say this, but I, I do believe this with all of my heart. I believe that we've not seen the last of our economic collapses. I think we've really only seen the beginnings of them. Um, you know, and now I'm not prophesying that, but I'm, as I pray, I'm just telling you. But I sense that in my heart. That even here in America, you know, I mean, uh, you know, even with, I mean, we've got a transition of power coming here in just a couple of weeks. Your hope better not be in the new president. Your expectation better not be that, oh, they're going to come in and fix stuff. If that's your focus, you will be disappointed. It's not a political state. It's just fact. I'm not endorsing him or anybody else. But I'm just telling you, if your hope and your confidence is in them, that's part of how we got in this mess. People quit looking to the Lord and begin looking to other men and to other people and to situations and circumstances to fix their problems. Man can never fix their own problems. That's why we have to. That's why we had to have a Savior. We can't even fix our own problems, much less everybody else's. Right? So we need to understand. Look, I mean, the Bible and the Bible is very clear about this. I believe you know even the type of war in which we fight. Is completely different than it used to be. Used to, it was nations on nations. Now it's one or two rogue people that just show up and start shooting, blowing up things. It's a totally different type of warfare. I mean, there are nations who are arming themselves like never before. Now, in the natural, that can freak you out. Some of you are old enough to remember, and I'm old enough to remember kind of the tail end of it, but the Cold War, we're headed back there. Not necessarily just with Russia, but there's other nations. But it's biblical. The Lord said it thousands of years ago that this was going to happen. You know, and so, but here's, so there's that side of it. But more importantly, I also believe we're in a greater place spiritually. That we're in a new place spiritually for us as believers. You know, and it's where, like Psalms 91, it can't just be scriptures that we put on a plaque on the wall in the house. Like, they've got to become real reality to us. Only with my eyes am I going to see destruction. It ain't coming to my house. The man, when, when fear comes and, you know, economies do what they're going to do, that, hey, my hope, my, my confidence is not there. My God is the God who feeds people in the middle of a desert, in the middle of a famine. And if he needs to get a bird to bring me a loaf of bread, then that's what he'll do. But my God will take care of me because he supplies my needs. Not my bank account, not my job, not my paycheck. No, my God supplies my needs. Period. Now, if he chooses to use my job, he chooses to use this and that, that's fine. But that is not my security. And it better not be yours. We are people of faith and we're called to live by faith. That's who we're called to be. And so, but even I believe spiritually that God is just like the world. The Bible says as darkness covers the earth, that God's glory would also increase. That our ability to be like that eagle that would rise above a storm. That, hey, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I am moved by the word of God and his promises to me. And I will stand upon them. And so even, you know, I believe, you know, and this is, I mean, I've never said any of this kind of stuff about prayer and fasting about this season but this is a preparation time for what we're seeing unfold in the world 
It'll help you be ready for what's coming. And it will help you in this sense that when it does come, you won't be completely freaked out by it. You won't be overwhelmed by it. No, I've got peace in my heart. So the question is, is where's your confidence? Is it in this world system? Is it in your job? Is it in your stuff? Is it in your lifestyle? Is it in your family? Where's your confidence at? Because it's supposed to be in the Lord. Why? Because he never changes. He never changes. So that's a bit of a caution. I know that's a little bit heavy. I realize. But it is the truth. So I want to encourage you in this next week. You know, I mean, Sunday is technically when I have put it on my calendar. So that's how it became on the church calendar because I put it on my calendar. Next Sunday, I will begin my official fast. And it'll go through the 28th. So here's what I would ask of you this week is to pray and ask the Lord. Lord, what would you have me to do? How long do you want me to do it? And it's that simple. And you may need to educate yourself a little bit. That's why I'm preaching that this week and not next week. Because I want you to have some information to be able to help you to get ready and to ask the Lord, what would you have me to do? If you've got questions, I'm always available to, to uh, answer. But I've got a couple things I wanted to show you real quick before we dismiss this morning. These are a few resources that I have. Um, so these are things that I've used. But uh, number one, there's a couple books that I use. This one here I read every January. It's a devotional. It's called Awakening. Uh, I'll give you all these here in a minute. Uh, but I'll tell you exactly what they are. A pastor named Stovall Weems wrote this book. I've read it every year. And I read it every year uh, during my fast. It's got a little 21-day devotional in the back. But he also talks about fasting and some of the, um, you know, so it's available on like Amazon. You can get a digital copy. You can go download it today. I think it's like 10 bucks. Um, so that's one of the resources that I use. Here's uh, two of the books that I read that really helped me. And when I was trying to figure out what in the world is fasting and should I do it, it's about another pastor named Jensen Franklin. And the first one is called Fasting. And the other one's called The Fasting Edge. Uh, and they're all, these are all available online. So you can get digital copies. You can get them at a bookstore. You can order them and do all that kind of stuff. But uh, these three books have been instrumental really in helping me. And I've got many others. But these three uh, really were some of the ones that helped me a lot. And so uh, also out front, we have this little thing, which is a friend of mine named Hagen over in Magnolia. And their church was doing this, and I thought, well, shoot, I like that a lot. I'm just going to steal it. And uh, so it actually has their church name on it right there. And uh, But this is just kind of a, a little bit of a guide, if you will, kind of a prayer and fasting guide. All three of those books I just mentioned are on the last page here. So you ain't got to write them down. I wrote them down for you. So we have these out there on the information booth or information table out there in the foyer. And so if you want one of these, and so, uh, you know, this message will be up if you want to go back and re-listen to it. It'll be up on the podcast here in a couple days. You can get that on the website, but this is a resource. Those books are a resource. You can just Google it. We live in a wealth of information age, and so there's tons of stuff available for you. But I encourage you. This, you know, I mean, yes, it's a suggestion, but take it seriously. Ask the Lord, because I believe it will produce tremendous blessing and benefit in your life if you'll simply ask the Lord, hey, God, what's your purpose and your will for my life this year? And as God begins to speak, it'll it'll give you purpose for this year and really getting his heart and his mind for you and for your family uh, during this time. And it'll produce a, a great blessing. At the end of the year, I believe you'll finish stronger than you started this year. Amen.